The term fabric of care is something that many people experience, but not something many people think about. A thread alone can only support so much, but when several threads are tightly woven together, that is when your fabric gains strength and effectiveness. We are lucky to have Dr. Thomas Lane, Vice President of Student Life, come onto the podcast and share with us how KSU has built and is continuing to build a fabric of care for students at Kansas State University. We learn about where Dr. Lane's passion for well-being comes from, how KSU as a community is taking care of our students, and we even learn some of his favorite foods, music, and hobbies. We'd like to thank you for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Fabric of Care. Waiting for the coffee to kick in. I know. Yeah, so... <laughs> We are recording now. Um, it is 8 a.m. And so I guess my question for the people around town, Dr. Lane, we'll start with you. Are you a morning person? Do you like mornings? I, I don't mind mornings. Okay. Uh, I wake up fairly early. So, you know, on average, typically wake up each day around 6.30. 6.30, yeah. okay. How about yourself, Reagan? Are you? No, I'm such a night owl, but I do try to wake up kind of early so I can get my day started, but I'd rather stay up late at night than get up early. All right. We got Cole. What do you think? Are you a morning person? I don't know. I think I am just not good at sleeping. So that makes mornings and nights really difficult. So I'm I'm a total night owl as well. Um, I do not enjoy waking up, but then once I do get up and get going, it's not awful. You know, I feel like I'm approachable, but... Um, on my birthday, my wife and kids asked, do you want breakfast in bed? I said, I'd rather get to sleep till nine, nine o'clock in the morning um, than breakfast in bed. And so, but then I'm up at 7.30 like I am every morning. So um, anyway, I'd like to welcome everybody to our first podcast, uh, Thrive at K-State. And this podcast is being led by our mental health outreach group um, that's 100% led by students to Thrive Navigators. And we have a couple of them in the room. We'll have them introduce themselves. Um, but I am Chris Bowman, the advisor for the Thrive Navigators, and I'll have the rest of the people at the table introduce themselves. I'm Reagan Bond. I'm a so Thrive Navigator, and I'm a sophomore studying psychology and criminology. My name is Cole Griffin, and I'm a social work student studying under Chris in the health promotion office. All right. And we also have one other navigator. Um, Evelyn Garcia is in the room as well. She's kind of checking out um, how to run the equipment. We're kind of, this is our first podcast we've ever done um, as Thrive Navigators, and me personally, the first one that I've ever tried to put or we've ever put together. Um, but we are very lucky to have our first guest. Uh, Dr. Thomas Lane, Vice President of Student Life, uh, to come on and share with us a little bit about what's, or not a little bit, there's a lot about what is great at K-State. So welcome, Dr. Lane. We're so happy to have you. It is great to be here. Great to see everyone this morning. Yeah. Morning people or not. I know. That's what said. The morning, the, everybody's awfully chipper. Maybe the coffee's kicking in uh, for the morning person. But as I said, Dr. Lane, he is the Vice President of Student Life. And kind of to kick it off, Dr. Lane, can you maybe give us a little bit about what that role is um, as the Vice President? President of Student Life at Kansas State University. Yeah, so I see my role really as, as focused on, on three uh, three things important to, I think, to, to the student life is uh, one, that um, ensuring that students know that they matter, ensuring that students know that they belong, and ensuring that they uh, have a, a great K-State experience. Um, and then I would add one additional thing is that they also experience a, a healthy sense of well-being. And so we have 18 departments in student life that uh, focus on a number of those um, different areas that I just mentioned, uh, ranging from how we build community on campus to how we provide personal and career well-being resources to how we provide supportive resources for students throughout their K-State journey from when they first start on campus to all the way to graduation and as alums. 
That's a lot, you know, <laughs> yeah, a lot on your plate. Um, but I'll tell you every time I see Dr. Lane, smile on your face, greet everybody warmly. And I've got the best job on campus, I think, you know, and it is amazing how that that, you know, the greeting everybody having a smile on your face, what that can do to people's day. I know me personally, when I see somebody and they are upbeat, um, even maybe if they're not having the most the, the, the best day, if they're upbeat, that does a lot for my energy and gets me to be upbeat as well. So we really do appreciate it. And Again, with everything you just laid out, thank you for carving out a little bit of time to come down and sit down with the navigators um, and talk about what makes K-State great. Oh, this is my pleasure. Thank <laughs> you for, for putting this together. Yeah. And so kind of what I want to do is uh, start out with a little bit of introduction for yourself. You know, um, one, one question I like to ask a lot of people when I sit down with them or when I get to know them is, um, you know, where do you where do you call home? Where would you originally call home or where are you from? Sure. So I am from a town called Danville, Illinois. It is uh, located in eastern central Illinois, right on the border of Illinois and Indiana. Okay. So if you know where the University of Illinois is located at in Urbana-Champaign, I'm about 30 miles east of the University of Illinois. Okay. Yeah. All right. So and the home, I share the hometown with um, Dick Van Dyke. Oh. So that's, a, that's our claim to fame. <laughs> also, Gene Hackman. Some people don't know who Gene Hackman is. They should. He was a great actor. Hoosiers. Um, that's Hoosiers. He was yep. Lex Luthor in the original Superman movies. French Connection. Great. Yeah, great actor. I've quickly learned, uh, went out when I've been talking with students since I've been here at K-State, um, that people that I think sometimes should uh, people that I know that I liked when I was maybe in college or that were famous when I was in college – they're not so famous anymore. Oh so I bring gosh. people up and people kind of give me that look like, I don't know what you're talking Chris, about. Chris, welcome to my world. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime I've talked about a band lately with students, oh, it's I talked about the band Pearl Jam the other day and I had a group of students who had no idea who Pearl Jam was. That just blew my mind. That See, <laughs> Evelyn is shaking her head no, saying she has no idea who I'm talking about. That hurts my heart a little bit. So I'm going to pull the- I the, die a little bit yeah. when I see that. The students in the room, Cole, Pearl Jam, are you aware of Pearl Jam? I'm definitely aware of Pearl Jam. And it seems like one of those bands that like, even though I don't listen to them, I know how much of the music that I listened to today was influenced by uh, Pearl Jam. Okay. But it was a surprise to me that other students wouldn't know who Pearl yeah, Jam was. Yeah, no oh. complete blank look. Oh like, my goodness. Yeah, I, like I was speaking a different language. All right, Reagan, we're going to put you on the spot. Pearl Jam? No, well, I'm also from the generation of One Direction. So ah, like, 1D. Well, yeah, so no. And who's Pearl your Jam. favorite 1D or? Oh, Liam, for sure. Liam. But not anymore. No, now not it's Harry. Harry. Now it's Harry, but was Liam then. But yeah. <laughs> it was about, I would say, three or four years ago, I was working at a, at a job. Um, and I was working with a group of like about 18 to 24 year old um, individuals. And I brought up the band Led Zeppelin, oh, which for me yeah. was, you know, uh, of course, I love music. Um, I Same thing, blank stares. So then I instantly pulled the room and said, hey, how many people here know who Led Zeppelin is? Out of a room of about 200 people, 18 to 24, I think I maybe got. 20 that raised their hand wow and so yeah that blows my mind i know but you know what good music is good music That's one right. direction is good music if it moves you and if it has a beat and it makes you feel good i'm not going to judge anybody for any music they like there so, you go um so anyway so small town illinois correct mm -hmm. yeah and i guess small town did you say the population i can't remember uh thirty thousand. okay so that is massive in yeah. my book yeah uh, for kansas but um so relatively small town for some in Illinois. And so 
after high school, kind of want to get a little bit of your educational background. Where did you do your undergrad work at? Illinois State University in Bloomington, Normal, Illinois. Okay. Now it's the, the only time I've ever been normal. Are they Are they the, the Cardinals? Is that the Illinois they State? They are the Redbirds. Redbirds. Yes, okay. the Redbirds. Okay. I imagine. Reggie Redbird is the mascot there. I imagine there could be, you know, if you keep calling it a Cardinal, that could be, you know, people could get upset. You might Illinois get a, a few askance looks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so what was, what, uh, what was your undergrad? What was your degree that you had your undergrad? So my undergraduate degree, I started out as a marketing major for about maybe a month uh, and then ended up going into mass communications, radio and television, actually. Oh, yeah. so this should feel right at home. Uh, it's bringing back some memories <laughs> of spending time edit in the editing bays at the uh, at the radio station. Yeah, that is. I, and I shouldn't even quote this, but I'm pretty sure K-State, our radio station, 91.9, were one of the only student run radio stations in the area, yeah. I believe. Yeah, great um, program. They are great. I love 91.9. Uh, that's who I usually listen to when I'm in my vehicle driving. Um, but anyway, so Mass uh, um, Communications, uh, Illinois State, and then graduate work. How about when you went into graduate school? So I did my master's degree at Illinois State, and my master's degree is in higher education and administration. Okay. And so I learned about that master's degree through my student involvement. I served as the president of our um, campus programming board, okay. so similar to what UPC would be here. Uh, and that's why I ended up finding out about um, higher education as a potential career path. And uh, I had a graduate assistant who uh, recommended that I take a look at that program. I, you know, nobody grows up saying they want to be a higher education administrator. Uh, and so usually find about, out about it from other folks. And uh, she was one that uh, kind of pointed me in that direction and encouraged me. And uh, glad she did. It's been a, a great uh, 30 years. Had you still keep in contact with that individual or oh, yeah. was there? Yeah, so you bet. Yeah. I guess the question is, are you giving her thanks or no, I'm just <laughs> saying thanking her for it. No, no uh, she knows. She knows how much uh, one she means to me. And then also uh, uh, the, uh, the, co the conversations that we had were really pivotal at, at that time in my life. Mm -hmm. and helped me kind of get on track career wise. Well, that's fantastic. Yeah. And so then you completed your, your master's degree. What came next? Uh, so I ended up working at Illinois State for about three years. And so my first job in working at a university was uh, the um, uh, started up a, a visitor center on campus in their student union. So I worked in their student union uh, and uh, it was the uh, supervisor of visitor and information services. It was starting up a, a information center in the union and also overseeing the campus tour program. So every time I see our tour guides walking backwards on campus, I get memories of, uh, of working with uh, a great group of students who were uh, really proud to show the university off. So you've got the backwards walk down probably. I do. I was able to do the backwards walk. Well, yeah. someday, like I said, I hope we see Dr. Lane, you surprise somebody and give the tour and we can <laughs> see the skills come back. Our tour guides do a much better job, I think, than, <laughs> than I would do. And, and I think they're housed in the Welcome Center, correct? That's the, correct. Yeah. We went the down. Welcome, welcome Center. We went to the Welcome Center. It's been, I met uh, a couple of their staff and they were amazing. Yeah. They were a lot of fun to talk to. And again, because it's, it's their job, but also the passion came through about Kansas State University right. and sharing what we're, what we are doing and and what we have to offer students, and so they're fantastic. Yeah, great ambassadors for the university. Mm -hmm. um, and so after that, um, 
kind of what about the jobs that you've held? Like, so you worked at Illinois State. Mm -hmm. um, worked there for three years. For three years. Then what came next? So then I, I worked at Minnesota State University Moorhead. Oftentimes in student affairs, if you are wanting to move up in a position, you oftentimes have to move to a different institution. Um, and I happened to have supervisors that were pretty young. And so they weren't really move, moving anywhere quickly. And so <laughs> I was interested in, in um, expanding my career and um, went to uh, Minnesota State University Moorhead in Moorhead, Minnesota. Uh, and I lived across the river in Fargo, North Dakota. Tropical so, Fargo. Tropical North Fargo. Yeah. So I got a little taste of my old Fargo days a couple weeks ago when we were having our cold snap. Mm -hmm. uh, it kind of felt like, like Fargo. What can you, do you recall, what was some of the coldest weather you had in Fargo? Oh gosh, we had uh, definitely double digits below zero for uh, extended periods of time, you know, 20 below uh, for, you know, a week at a time. My goodness. Uh, snow would start typically in, have your first snowfall probably around mid to late October. Mm -hmm. And then uh, your the snow would not be gone from, uh, you know, from being around until like late may holy times yeah so you get used to having the white uh landscape for yeah. quite a while well then you, you had so you had winter and then you had uh uh floods from the winter snows and then you had mosquito season oh and then winter again we love mosquito season yeah, three wins <laughs> i started to think mosquitoes was the state bird at uh, in minnesota but i imagine there's a they, lot of them they can probably get to the size of birds so they're, they're it looks like they don't mess around oh my goodness so okay so illinois state then you were there sorry you went to minnesota state moorhead yeah mm -hmm. worked in their student union for all right about nine years nine years that was okay. nine years in fargo all right and so what next i guess is, is the topic of this part what next yeah so <laughs> after that i uh became the assistant dean of students and director of the student union at um at was then southwest missouri state university uh became missouri state university mm -hmm. uh, as soon as i i came on i had nothing to do with that name change it just happened just happened <laughs> um and, and so i worked at, at missouri state university in springfield missouri and i uh i thought i'd be at missouri state probably about five years mm -hmm. uh and it ended up being 14 years that okay. i was i was there at, at missouri state and doing a number of different jobs from starting out as assistant dean of students and director of the union to uh assistant vice president for student affairs and then associate vice president for student affairs and dean of students uh, at the university and uh, and then that's when i found out about the k-state opening all right yeah. now we get into the i don't want to say the other stuff was not good stuff but the good stuff about what's going on now which is k-state <laughs> well, it was Kansas good university. but now it's great exactly yeah. there you go i like that i like the way you put that so you came you came to kansas state university how long have you been at k-state so just a little over a year and a half i started in uh july of 2019. okay okay what was your first impression of k-state I guess, whether before you got to campus, when you got on campus. Yeah. So actually, I, I had been to K-State uh, prior to uh, when I visited here as a as a job candidate. Um, and that was several years ago when I was actually working at Missouri State University as their director of the student union. There was a, uh, a conference here. Uh, sponsored by a, uh, an organization that I was very involved with called the Association of College Unions International. And so Kansas State held a, a regional conference at the Student Union, and that was my first visit to Manhattan. And I would say that was probably in the... Um, 
probably late 90s mm -hmm. would be my guess. Okay. And uh, had a great visit, had a, a loved the campus, uh, just thought the campus was was beautiful, just, you know, that that traditional limestone look mm -hmm. that was just, um, it's just inspiring. Anderson Hall, you know, driving up and seeing Anderson Hall and uh, and then, of course, the Union was, mm -hmm. was a beautiful facility, just had a great conference experience. So that was really my first K-State um, memory. I know when I've been out and about and people ask, you know, because I was born and raised, I've never lived outside of Kansas. Sometimes they say I've never left Kansas. Some people think I've never left the borders and they get concerned for me. But no, um, I've born and raised, lived in Kansas my entire life. And we tell people you work in Kansas, mm -hmm. they instantly think, you know, they're from other parts of the, na of the nation. They instantly think flatland, nothing, you know, they think of right. very, very Western Kansas, but we're right here in the Caw Valley. You know, there is, a, there's hills. We got the Flint Hills right here. It's really beautiful. And we try to paint that for people and they have a hard time sometime when they mm -hmm. hear Kansas, some of the people I know across the nation, but it is, it's a beautiful campus. Like I said, the limestone, this, the architect, it's really, really pretty. The Flint Hills is a beautiful part of the country. It is. Um, I, I, I love, uh, telling friends about where I live, um, because you're, you're right. I think the, the stereotypical thought about Kansas is just, you know, flat, dusty, mm -hmm. uh, and it's just so <laughs> not the case. Yep, no. Uh, and, uh, especially in, in, uh, the area of Kansas that, that, that we have the privilege of residing in, uh, the Flint Hills is just a beautiful, beautiful part of the country. It is. So first impression, but then also I'm going to ask you like from, from your standpoint, what is something, um, that makes K-State a special place to work and to study? I know that's a really broad question, but in your mind, what are some things that make KC just a special place to work and to study mm -hmm. for students? I think there's a really strong ethic of care mm -hmm. at K-State, and that runs from student to student, from faculty and staff to students, administrator to students, um, colleague to colleague, mm -hmm. um, and then especially alumni to university. Uh, we have such a passionate group of alumni. Um, when we were able to, to do more traveling, um, there were oftentimes where I'd be in an airport and I'd have my K-State uh, shirt on or my K-State jacket on. Nine times out of 10, I would have uh, an alum come up to me uh, and just, you could see, I always knew it when they were approaching me. I always knew it was mm -hmm. going to happen because I could just see the smile on their face yep. and this, you know, just joy in their eyes when they saw, you know, my, my Wildcat insignia or my K-State logo on, uh, my clothing, they come up and want to tell me about their K-State experience and, um, just great moments like that. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking forward to getting those moments back here yeah. as we move forward. Yeah. When I came on, I came on at K-State, I've been here about a year and a half as well. And, mm -hmm. um, we, when I came on, one of the things that struck me with faculty and staff are K-State faculty staff, they want to find a way to help you or find a way to say yes. If you approach them and ask for help, they're going to do just about any, everybody I've encountered is going to do whatever they can to help out, help you out with whatever you need. Yeah. If it's going to make um, K-State a better university or it's going to make the student experience better, they're willing to yep. help out tremendously. Every alumni that I group that I talk with without fail at the end of that conversation it always ends tell me what i can do mm -hmm. to support our students on campus without fail happens yeah. every time the other part that really struck me too when i after beyond the faculty staff the students you know the student groups that we've worked with um going into residence halls and, and talking to students you know that was pre-pandemic um and even during zoom during the pandemic um they're passion for k-state as well 
and their drive. That's something that's really, really, um, it makes me feel good to see their motivation, their drive to do great things, mm -hmm. not only at, while they're at K-State, but it makes you feel good when you, when you see students that are working so hard to know that they're going to go out, they're going to represent K-State as alumni. Mm -hmm. They're going to be the ones that will be approaching uh, K-Staters State, K uh, at airports or wherever asking what they can do to help. So the students' motivation and the, the student groups that we've worked with, I've been amazed by that. Well, that's, uh, that's one of the things that excites me about the, the Thrive Navigators program. It's, it's peers helping peers, and, and that message of, and connection resonates in such a different way than it would be for a staff speaking to a peer or a faculty member speaking to a peer. All those are really important types of communication, but that peer-to-peer -peer communication is there's really something unique and special about that. So it is. And I think, you know, um, I think that the student uh, talking or the, the peer-to-peer -peer is something that has been great with the Thrive Navigators getting up off the ground. When people ask about the Thrive Navigators, I can go on for probably 45 minutes to an hour. Um, but I think the best way that I describe them are they are high quality students, high quality people that care about people. And they want to help take care of people. And that's, I think that's what we need, um, especially when we're doing a mental health outreach group. They're just phenomenal students. I, they're, they're so fun. We, so we got two of them in here. I get goosebumps when I talk about them just because <laughs> you just gave me goosebumps right now. <laughs> I know they are, they're great. And they, they said they're so forward leaning and they're taking on a, um, I don't even want to call it a service, but they are advancing a message yeah. that not only needs to be advanced at K-State, but nationwide, yeah. especially coming out of the pandemic, especially mm -hmm. if we look back at what we've went through with the pandemic. I think it was one month or one year. Almost a year. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. And so they are leading the charge when it comes to um, that peer to peer education, awareness, destigmatization with mental health. And mm -hmm. they're just they're fun. They've been great. So um that's my, not, I will not, I can't promise that's my, not my going to be my only plug for the Thrive Navigators because I can do it all, all the plug time. Plug away. I know. Um, so, so along the same lines, what is something, if you think that surprised you about Kansas State University? Well, first is the beauty of, of the place, mm -hmm. uh, because I did have stereotypical ideas about Kansas in terms of what the geography was like. Uh, and so that was, I was quickly disabused of that, <laughs> uh, and, and realized how fortunate and lucky I was to be in such a beautiful part of the country. Um, I think the other things that, that surprised me about K state is even though we, uh, you know, I think we're, a, we're a big school, right? Mm -hmm. We're a, a tier one R one university that, because of that ethic of care that occurs with folks, it, it shrinks down how the school feels, I think, so that you're able to connect with one another in a much um, more seamless way than if what you would think of as, as being at a large in institution. And so I think that's one of the things that's really unique and special about K-State is we've managed to take this large university mm -hmm. and by focusing on the interpersonal care that we have for each other, really shrink that experience down. Mm -hmm. That's and then that's post pandemic. Hopefully, when we move to it, get students back on campus. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah, looking forward to. There's no doubt it's been challenging yep. in this environment, right? Yeah, the buzz yeah. on campus when students are coming in, especially into our office, and then you go out on campus and you see them, you know, in the quad or at the union. It's just it gives a whole other feel, and it's so great. It's so funny you say that, Chris. I was driving home from uh, uh, work last night, and there were a number of students that were on the Anderson lawn. Mm -hmm. uh, they were doing some sort of surveying activity that I saw, and it just. It would. It had been a while since I had seen a large group of students on the quad, and I, I kind of got choked up a little bit because mm -hmm. it was just recognizing how how much I crave that um, to, that that um, vibrant campus life experience. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. 
And I hope at some point in time, once we do get a little bit back to, I call them normal operating procedures, but um, I really hope every, a lot of people will sit down and I know myself, I'll do, I call it an after action report, uh, mm -hmm. sit down and think about the pandemic, think about the year and not only focus on the challenges, but also the resiliency that came out. People oh, okay. have shown resiliency, um, faculty, staff, students, especially of just kind of living in a world where there's some unknown, you mm -hmm. know, um, where things can change at a moment's notice. And truly, we have no control over that, you know. And so um, I know it's easy to get kind of stuck down into the challenges that have been for the past year. But there's also been a lot of resiliency that has surfaced from oh this. Gosh. And we've learned so much from it. No doubt about it. Mm -hmm. There's a, a type of Japanese pottery that is, um, and I, I can't recall the name of it right now, but it, it's, it struck me as a really apt metaphor in that what you do with this pottery is, is they take broken pieces of pottery and put it together in a kind of a soldering with, with, with gold. Mm -hmm. And so you end up with these much more beautiful pieces of pottery than what you originally had. And I thought that was a great metaphor for resiliency mm -hmm. in terms of, you know, you go through challenges, uh, you get some bumps and scrapes. But where you, how you come out of that and the strength that you show coming out of that and the strength that the inner strength that you didn't even realize that you had. Mm -hmm. And there's been so many moments in this pandemic, not only for myself, but for students that I've, I've had a chance to co uh, converse with, staff and faculty that I've had a chance to, to dialogue with. I think we've all had some sort of growth mm -hmm. through this what's been pretty traumatic times, yep. right? Uh, unprecedented. If I, if I never use that word again, <laughs> it'd be a great thing. Yeah. Um, and so, it, you know, I, we're coming out, I think, with a lot of, a lot of lessons to mm -hmm. learn. Um, I think we've, you know, I think about the focus on well-being, for example. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure that we were having as much conversation about well-being as we have been having in this past year mm -hmm. and really taking the time to focus on well, what does that mean and, and how can I do better at that? Um, that's really, I think, a silver lining through all of this. Is how are we taking care of each other's Hey, how are we taking care of ourselves and each other in ways that we we hadn't thought about perhaps prior? I love the analogy, and it's 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 now I'm racking my brain because um, the Japanese pottery, um, our other st student ambassador group, the Welcome Ambassadors, I believe it was came right before the pandemic. They did an activity in the quad where they had people build the vases oh. or the, build build the the pottery. And they had the the, the glue. Megan yeah. Cat, the advisor, was telling me about it. I think she showed me pictures. And it was fantastic. Yeah. And now... It's a great metaphor. It is. Now I am just cannot... We'll do that in post-production. We'll yeah. just, you know, figure out what it is. Because yeah. that's going to drive me. I've got to... Just can't figure it out. So... Okay. Somebody just hand... I wish I could pronounce that. Golden joinery is what it means in Japanese. But I don't even want to try. But... Golden joinery is the correct translation of uh, of it. We'll see if Dr. Lane can take a... Kintsugi. Kintsugi. Okay. Yep. I think I probably would have massacred. I would, would, <laughs> wouldn't have said that right. So Kintsugi. Well, but, but now yeah. we're making the assumption that I'm right on that. I just said it convincingly. That's half the battle I've found with some things is if you say it convincingly, you know. Um, but anyway. Well, yeah. I like said the, I, that's some of my old, like I said, I worked uh, on Army Installation After Action is a is a term i use a lot but i want people to sit down and kind of think about you know what yeah. went what not only what were challenges but what went right and i think we can all do that um 
So now we can move on a little bit to something I know, Dr. Lynch, you're passionate about. A lot of the, and you've mentioned it a couple of times, but a lot of meetings that I have been in um, with you, some of the initiatives that you've gotten off the ground is concentrating on student well-being. Mm -hmm. And you've mentioned it a couple of times. Mm -hmm. And so I guess I would say you have a passion for well-being um, yes. for individuals. I mean, students, but for just for people. Mm -hmm. Where did that passion begin for well-being? If you could maybe try to trace some of that back. Sure. Uh, I think certainly working 30 years with, with students working in uh, an environment of higher education and just seeing how oftentimes when uh, student success would go off track, mm -hmm. that oftentimes in those situations, it had something to do with um, an aspect of well-being Mm -hmm. not, not, um, they weren't thriving in the ways that they could be thriving. Yeah. And so that's really what started, I think my passion for mm -hmm. it. And then also, I think just working as a Dean of students, um, really working with students whose, um, emotional wellbeing, uh, might've been, uh, a, a pretty significant struggle. Mm -hmm. Uh, certainly, uh, working with, uh, the families of, uh, in those, those tragic uh, experiences where I've had, um, I've lost students to mm -hmm. suicide and working with the families. Uh, and, um, that's certainly motivating and inspiring to want to be able to do more, uh, in terms of, of suicide prevention mm -hmm. and suicide awareness. Uh, and then also I would say probably just personally, um, I, my own family has been impacted by suicide. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, um, in fact, this, this ring on my finger that, of course, you can't see in a podcast, but <laughs> I'm showing a ring on my finger that I wear every day. And this ring is actually my grandfather's ring. And I was very close to my grandfather. Uh, and uh, about six years ago, uh, my grandfather died by suicide and really um, just had a, a, a tremendous impact mm -hmm. on our family and um for, for us still working through mm -hmm. uh, some of the trauma and grief associated with that. But I thought one of the, the great things that I could take away from um, uh, the death of my grandfather was how do I keep the message going about suicide prevention, suicide awareness. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's been a motivating factor to me. Mm -hmm. um, and so when I think about, you know, when we have a successful suicide awareness program or that we're able to have more conversations in an open and frank and, and, and caring manner about suicide, um, I feel like, um, I feel like there's meaning added to my grandfather's passing. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's something too, I've noticed. And, and it's been since I've been at K-State, there is a desire by everyone that I've encountered at K-State for more mental health awareness. Mm -hmm. And with that is suicide awareness, prevention, mm -hmm. um, programming topics, things of that nature. Mm -hmm. And it's a genuine want, if that makes sense. Yeah. They want us, they want people to come out and they want um, some information on it and they want to know how they can help them. Um, that's one thing that has struck me with uh, the Thrive Navigators. A lot of them have come out and a lot of them um, have this passion for spreading. And it was the, you know, some of them maybe has some lived experience with suicide within mm -hmm. their family, mm -hmm. or they have a friend that's had, lived, you know, they're living through that empathetic type of uh, way. And so that's something that has been great. And that's something we've been really trying to capture on is people's desire for us to come out. Um, I know here at Lafine, we've partnered, we've been talking with um, a couple of people from health and human sciences about how we get a suicide prevention campaign going for um, faculty and staff here. And we've had a lot of great input with them. And then again, I said that the desire that the Thrive Navigators have mm -hmm. to go out to students, again, that peer to peer piece. Um, 
really we've, critical. It is. And yeah. we've went out and we've done a few, we're, we've done a few presentations um, about how to talk to people that are in distress or that are maybe, or that are um, having any kind of dris- distress, maybe not even mental health distress. And the participants that we have, the people that are coming um, to take the training are so engaged. It was, I mean, I don't want to say surprising, but inspiring, I mm-hmm. guess is better. They were engaged. They want this, this information and they want to know how to help people. I've always said that I, I, I hardly in my whole line of work, 15 years working in mental health um, as a social worker, I don't know if I've ever met anybody that did not want to help other people. Right. Um, what they need are the tools, the resources, and the ideas. How to have the conversation. Exactly. How to feel comfortable in having the conversation. Exactly. And to be a little bit okay with that, it's maybe not going to be the most comfortable conversation, mm-hmm. but I, I look at it as a way for them to um, contribute as a community member mm-hmm. for learning how to have those conversations. Um, and so that is something that I think that that is inspiring to me. And I add the navigator as well. Cole, he's an honorary navigator, whether, you know, uh, we kind of, we let him come in. No, um, <laughs> he's a navigator as well, but you know, and the desire for us to go out and deliver. And then the people's receptiveness of it, I think has been amazing. Well, when you think about, you know, one of the barriers of, of seeking help uh, when one's experiencing a mental health concern mm-hmm. is this notion of, of stigma. Yep. And, and that's one of the things I think that about um, this current generation of college students is I think there's a much more willingness to have open dialogue and conversation about mental health concerns. Mm -hmm. And so with those conversations, I think stigma gets reduced Mm -hmm. and therefore you have less barrier to to seeking care. And I think that's really important. I don't Mm -hmm. know, uh, Reagan, do you you think that from conversations with your friends, you see conversations centered around mental health, just as um, just kind of part of the conversation, part of the dialogue? Yeah, so um, in my sorority, we actually have one of our exec members as risk management. Mm-hmm. And like, that's a really big thing that like my sorority has been pushing a lot is like having those conversations. Yeah. And we have a wellness hour, I guess you could say. So girls can like come into the Zoom now that we can't have like much in person. But, mm-hmm. and we talk about those things and we like try to help them and find resources for them. And we give them resources that are on campus and stuff like that. So I definitely think um, like in our generation, it's mm-hmm. become more of a less stigmatized and less of a um, thing that you can't right. talk about. So, yeah. So thinking about my grandfather's generation, mm-hmm. that was not the case. Yeah. And so there was a lot of stigma associated with, with seeking mental help when you're, you know, uh, uh, from that generation and, and other generations. But I'm starting to see a lot of progress there, which mm-hmm. I think is really, that's great. Mm-hmm. It is great. Like I said, anything we can do. And, and again, it's a, it's, this is another uh, Thrive Navigator uh, brag, I guess, uh, hearing Reagan, the way that she talks. And when, when Reagan, you know, talks, but you can hear the passion come through her voice. And that's exciting um, that we're going to have people that are going to be out there doing that. So, um, one again, of, goosebumps again. But I mean, one of the uh, we just recently conducted uh, the Healthy Mind Survey mm-hmm. uh, as part of our, our JED campus initiative, which I'm sure we'll probably talk about here in a, a little bit. Yeah. Um, but one of the the rays of sunshine that 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 shone through to me in the that uh that data was that um only five percent of respondents said that they would think less of someone for uh seeking mental health care which you know now we got to get that five percent on board but but that when you think about that out of all the responses uh, only five percent um that really i think kind of indicates the um the lessening of stigma i think Mm. yep that is that 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 generation as you mm-hmm. talked about yep. and and 
It, it is motivating. I yep. think you use that word too. It's it's motivating to see this generation of college students that are taking it on and taking it serious and they get to be it. able to. Yep. They get it. Exactly. Um, so kind of on the same thread, you know, and, and we touched upon it and I was excited to, to put the, to ask this question because this is a question we asked all of our Thrive Navigators um, when they apply to be part of our student outreach group. And so I know you touched on it, but Dr. Lane, but I'm going to ask you again, what is your definition of well-being? Yeah. So it's, it's holistic. Okay. Uh, it's not just one aspect of, of well-being. Uh, so when I think about well-being, I think about uh, first my physical well-being. Mm -hmm. How am I doing physically? Am I exercising? Am I taking care of my body? Mm -hmm. um, I think about my emotional well-being. Um, I also uh, think about um, my uh, sense of purpose. Mm -hmm. So uh, do I have goals? Am I achieving those goals? Am I making progress on them? Uh, financial well-being is an important one, <laughs> I is. think, especially for uh, our college students yep. uh, that are making uh, making ends meet um, with, with pretty limited resources oftentimes. Um, and so uh, financial well-being is, is uh, another aspect. Um, community well-being. Mm -hmm. Do I feel like I'm part of a community? Uh, do I feel um, like I belong? Mm -hmm. uh, like I matter, as I talked about a little earlier. Um, and then social well-being. Uh, do I uh, have uh, positive relationships with others? Uh, am I active? Mm -hmm. uh, and um, all of those aspects, I think, make up one sense of well-being. And, um, you know, I, th I think that the what's troubling is that in well-being research, especially with college students, mm -hmm. the research indicates that only about 12% of college students are thriving in all aspects of those those areas of well-being. Mm -hmm. And so that's, I think, an opportunity for us to really do some um, do some education, uh, do some additional work to terms of moving the needle mm -hmm. on, on how our students are experiencing a sense of um, a sense of flourishing, mm -hmm. a sense of thriving, yep, right? Exactly. And that's why I love the name Thrive Navigators. Yeah. We, uh, I'd like to take credit for the name, but it was a team, a sole credit, I guess. It was a team effort between a lot of people at Lafine. I was looking through a list of possible student outreach group names just yesterday. I found it yesterday. I was looking at it. And I'm just saying, I'm happy we picked Thrive because there were some mm -hmm. on there that would not have been <laughs> nearly as good. But anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, what I love about what you said is is, is the, the sense of community, the sense mm -hmm. of belonging, um, because I think that's really, really important for anybody yeah. to have a sense of belonging. And um, one of the podcast guests that we're going to have on is an international student mm -hmm. who the first time that that he had stepped foot in Kansas was when he was going to start college at Kansas State University. Mm -hmm. And something, the reason we really wanted to have him on was when he, when he came to K-State, he really became invested in... Um, getting to the campus, joining groups, going to the events they have where he can meet people. He started building his social network pretty quickly when he got here. Yeah. And he had a strong sense of belonging to the campus. And I know his journey isn't going to be the same as everybody else's, but it could give some people some starting points. Mm -hmm. And what's really interesting when we talk to him is when the pandemic did hit, which was 100% out of his control or anybody else's control, having that social connection or having that social network paid off huge dividends for him because he wasn't starting at zero and um, he felt like he had people that he could connect with already. And so that, that, that sense of social connection, I think, and belong to the community is so valuable. And, and also I think that's what we do very well at K-State. We yeah. can, we build that sense of community. 
I've described it as a as a fabric of care. Mm -hmm. You know, how is like our that. campus community creating and, and and weaving together a fabric of care? Mm -hmm. uh, and and so you know, programs like Thrive Navigators is an important thread in mm -hmm. in strengthening that mm -hmm. fabric of care. The the student that you just described, it sounds like. Um, they were uh, really fortunate to have a strong fabric of care underneath them yep. to kind of lift them up through some really difficult times. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's when I think about our programs within student life, that's, that's really the image that I have in my mind is, is hopefully each one of those are another thread mm -hmm. in, the, in that in strengthening that fabric yep. of care for our students and, and their success. I like that analogy. Yeah. It really, it really, it really just brings home that, you know, um, a thread by itself is nothing but a, th a thread together. within that yeah. whole. Yeah, um, that synergy that happens when yeah. we're all working together on, on that. And I think that's exciting about what, um, like I said, I think that goes back to what we said earlier in the, or what I said earlier in the podcast is people are working to help students, faculty and staff and students, mm -hmm. you know, people finding a way to say yes, people finding a way to help build that community and people finding a way to say, hey, if this is going to help students, what can we do? to get on board, what can we do to help? And that's the exciting part. The partnerships are, um, it's fun to meet new people. It's fun to do new things. There's challenges with it, mm -hmm. but once it starts working and it starts clicking, that's when you see, like I said, you can see some uh, movement of the needle. And when it comes to advancing well-being for students. Most definitely. Ah, it's fantastic. Um, so, you know, the current landscape of mental health across college campuses, you know, is, something that we're deeply interested in because we're a mental health outreach group. Um, but what, what do you, like said in your experience, how do you feel about the, the, the landscape of mental health across college campuses? And then even if you want to get into K-State, um, what are your thoughts on, on where we're, we're touched on a little bit, but where we're at with, with that landscape? Yeah, we've been actually doing a lot of data gathering with regards to our own campus. Certainly nationally, uh, college student mental health uh, has been a pressing concern mm -hmm. at, at college campuses uh, nationwide uh, and, and definitely exacerbated by the last year of, of the pandemic that we've experienced. So we've done two uh, recent major surveys for um, uh, our college students uh, at K-State. The first one being the NCHA, the, the National Collegiate Health Association survey that was done right before the pandemic hit. So it was last spring, um, okay. but right before we, um, right before the, the, the pandemic came. So we had that snapshot in time. And then we also have the Healthy Mind Survey, which we conducted in uh, September of this past year. So it was right at the, uh, when the pandemic was occurring. So we have kind of two snapshots of, of um, what our students were thinking and feeling about with regards to um, their mental health. And so a couple of things that I can share with you in terms of, the, uh, of our K-State campus, um, from 2018 to 2020, uh, so those were the two times that we did the NCHA survey, students reported a marked increase in every factor negatively impacting uh, their academic performance. So such things as sleep deprivation, um, de depression, anxiety, uh, stress, all of those increased. So that's of concern. And remember, this was done before the pandemic. Mm -hmm. One out of three students reported having moderate or serious psychological distress. And then finally, one out of five students reported uh, that they met the criteria for higher suicide risk. Mm -hmm. So all those are, are um, uh, results that uh, I think help inform the programming that we ought to be doing uh, mm -hmm. with regards to, to mental health, uh, with regards to well-being. Um, I think, um, you know, there's certainly uh, we can do better. Mm -hmm. And and I think we, we 
programs like this are going to help us uh, do better. And then so for the Healthy Minds survey, there was some additional uh, data that came forth. 12% um, of students responding in our Healthy Minds survey uh, shared that they had thought about suicide this past year. So remember, this is now in that we're, we're in the middle of the pandemic mm -hmm, when this right. survey went out. Um, I talked about the 5% that said that they would not think less of anyone uh, for seeking mental health care. That's really um, uh, uh, a great sign. Though I'll say to you also that there were also results in that survey that said even though they themselves would not think differently of someone, they said that they themselves seeking care, mm -hmm. uh, they'd be reluctant to do so. And so mm -hmm. that's programs like Thrive, like uh, our gatekeeper training programs that we're, we're uh, putting forth for our faculty and staff, the more we can try to reduce stigma, uh, I think the, the better we'll, we'll have in, in moving the needle forward. And then here's one that I, I'm, I've really been, um, it's the one that kind of keeps me up at night a little mm -hmm. bit. We had 39% of our students share that they experienced positive mental health. So, you know, you have mental you have mental illness, but then you also have mental health. And those are two different, yep. two different continuums, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and so uh, we use a, to measure that, we use a, a scale called the flourishing scale. And it's a, about eight item uh, question uh, questionnaire that's part of the Healthy Mind Survey. And so, you know, we had less than half of our students saying that they're experiencing positive mental health so that, mm -hmm. you know, that they are... Um, uh, experiencing high quality relationships, that they're uh, experiencing a high level of self-esteem, um, that they have a sense of purpose and optimism. So that's a number that I really would like for us to continue to talk about and focus on, not only just in terms of mental um, mental health concerns, mm -hmm. but what, is it, what does it feel like to be mentally healthy, right? Mm -hmm. To thrive yep. and, and to flourish. And so I want to engage the campus in conversations about that as well, too, because you can you can have depression, you can have anxiety, stress, and you can also experience mental health mm -hmm. as well, too. Mm -hmm. And so how do we talk about um, uh, how do we talk about that in ways that encourage students to engage in activities that help strengthen their sense of mental health? I think that's I, I love what you said there with the fact and that's something we've talked about. Uh, Cole and I, uh, the navigators, and uh, it's a topic that comes up. You know, the uh, mental health, when you bring up mental health or even emotional well-being, I think a lot of people's minds automatically go to therapy and counseling. Right. Mm -hmm. so that's that's when you bring it up. And there's a whole nother, I don't want to, there, there's a whole nother aspect to it that it's not just counseling and therapy. It's, it's that well-being, it's mm -hmm. that thriving, it's that flourishing, it's that stress management um, that, you know, of course, some people we'll need those resources when it comes to a counseling center or therapy, mm -hmm. but there are other things we can do that when you say mental health, it doesn't automatically go to therapy or counseling. Right. And that's one thing with our bandana project training that we, the thrive navigators are doing is we want to um, give people confidence, I guess that when they, when they approach somebody, we want to give them confidence that if they do need some professional services that we can get them to them, but also we want them to be able to talk to somebody um, and have an empathetic ear to actively listen to them and to validate their feelings. And I think that drives that social connection. I think that gives people the connection. They feel like they've been heard and that can, you know, boost their emotional well-being, mm -hmm. um, not just in that moment, but it can have a carryover as well. It can be life-changing. It can, most mm -hmm. definitely can. What I love is what I think what they, the, the, 
the research has shown, I always, I push gratitudes a lot. Mm -hmm. I do a, three, a gratitudes journal, but one thing, one exercise that I really encourage people to do is to write a gratitude letter or write a thank you letter to somebody. Mm -hmm. And then if you go take that and you can hand deliver it, but also I challenge people to read it to the person. And the research has shown that that can boost your optimism for 30 days. Yeah. Just that one um, act, which is difficult in the time. But I know when I've done something that's been difficult and it boosts them, I instantly feel good when it, when I've done that. And so that's something I push. Like I said, it's something that can carry on. There is that difference between, you know, mental health that maybe that maybe needs services and taking care of our emotional well-being and our mental health on that side as well. There's a great book called The Happiness Hypothesis mm -hmm. that uh, I think mentions an exercise similar to what you just shared. And if you haven't had it, it's by Jonathan Haidt. And uh, it's it's talking about what we're, we're talking about in, in terms of uh, just looking through history and, and trying to figure out how has happiness been defined. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'd encourage folks to, to take a look at it. It's a great book. It is. And, and I love, uh, I'm a really big on, on building optimism. And it was part of a resiliency trainings that I've done or training that I've done. And some of the colleges that I, that, um, that I've been, that I've put in, I'm the ones that come to mind are, I think Harvard and Yale, mm -hmm. they have implemented some, some classes on how to be happy. That's, mm -hmm. that's, you know, and they've quickly found those are the most popular classes that they've had, um, at some of those, at those universities. And so again, I think that goes to I think people, I don't, everybody wants to be happy, mm -hmm. but I think if you say, Hey, here's a way that we can build optimism, people are on board to do it. Yeah. People are going to try it. You know, well, that, um, there's a, uh, a meditation, uh, or mindfulness program called 10% happier. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's really helps convey meditation in a way that kind of takes out the new age, some of the stereotypical <laughs> yep. new age stereotypes that you think about when you think about meditation. Um, and what the author says is that if you could do a practice that would just make you 10% happier, mm -hmm. would you do it? And you know, of course, yeah, that'd, yeah, that'd be great. And so uh, that I love that idea of when we think about mindfulness exercises mm -hmm. and ways to take care of and practice mindfulness, that really what we're doing is, is engaging in practice that hopefully, hopefully is increasing our happiness. Yep. And I think I love that idea of just 10% happier. I know. That's, that's great. Well, and what I love about some of it is, is that it is, there are things that you can implement into your life that are not, there is a time commitment, mm -hmm. but if you get into the habit of the routine of doing it, it doesn't disrupt your whole day. Mm -hmm. You know, I always tell people I do my three gratitudes every morning. I right. write them down and reflect on them. I think we did a training just last night with a student group and it was on stress management. And what we had them do as our opening exercise was write down three gratitudes mm -hmm. and why they happened and how they can make have them happen again and who contributed to it. Um, well, what you're doing is you're exercising that muscle, exactly. that gratitude muscle, mm -hmm. right? It's just like working out when you're working out, you're, uh, uh, engaging your muscles on a consistent basis and you see positive growth and benefit for that. It's the same way in terms of the exercise that you're doing each morning with your gratitude, exactly. uh, you're strengthening that muscle so that it's becomes more natural to use. Mm -hmm. And we asked them after they did it, we said, we, everybody was done. And we looked at our watch and I think it was four and a half minutes is what it took for them. Now it. That was, I mean, it could take longer. Some people can get more in deep thought, but it took that group, I think of 12 students, I believe about four and a half minutes. And I said, so my point is if you can start at four and a half minutes a day, every morning, it's a good habit to get into. Yeah. And then that builds your optimism for the future. It makes That's it more right. optimistic. So, um, but with, so we talked about the ACHA, the healthy mind survey, um, 
you know, what are some things that K-State or what, what are we doing for addressing some of these, uh, just addressing well-being for K-State students? What are some programs and initiatives that we have going that you think would be great to talk about? Yeah, so a big initiative, I think, and, and one that many of the other ones that we'll talk about are really emanating from mm -hmm. is, is our JED Campus yeah. initiative. And so um, about a year ago, we became a partner institution with uh, the JED Foundation. And so the JED Foundation is a, a national foundation that focuses on helping campuses strengthen their approach to uh, mental health health concerns to substance use and abuse concerns. Uh, and we um, were fortunate to be able to work with a campus advisor from their national office. We have about 30 uh, K-State faculty, staff, and students that serve as our JED campus team. Uh, and we've worked with our campus advisor from the JED Foundation to really develop a, a holistic strategic plan to really think about over the next four years of, of this partnership with the JED Foundation, what is it that we want to accomplish? What do we want to do with regards to um, addressing mental health concerns on our campus? And so uh, this past fall, we uh, had a day-long uh, meeting with our campus advisor. We had focus groups that occurred. And we, throughout that process, um, we came up as a team with about 79 action items <laughs> on our strategic plan. Uh, one of which, of course, is uh, focuses on the programs that we offer to students and the peer programs like Thrive Navigators, like the podcast that we're engaged in right now. All of that's part of our JED Campus initiative to really help move the needle on on. Um, uh, strengthening that fabric of care for mm -hmm. our students and, and, and for our faculty and staff as a campus community. Uh, and so really excited about that work with the, the JED team. Um, we uh, Part of the JED team responsibility is really taking a look at the, the data that we're gathering about college student mental health. And so the two surveys that I talked about, really digging into those and thinking about how can those inform the programs that we offer. But then we also have a group looking at policies and procedures, what policies and procedures either um, uh, encourage students to seek care or are put up barriers. And so taking a really close look at, at those um, and then um, the programs that we offer, as I mentioned. And so we have kind of subgroups within that that larger JED team that's looking at each of those areas. And, and so by the end of our four year uh, time with with Jed, hopefully the um, results on our Healthy Minds survey when we do it again uh, show that the the work that we did, the initiatives that we put forward, and the programs that we put forward really had an impact. So that's it's really been in, uh, a great engaging work. Uh, the UIT College mm -hmm. uh, program, uh, UIT uh, KSU, uh, just got launched um, last week, mm -hmm. and that is a partnership that um, through uh, with Grit Media uh, or Grit Digital. And what that is is kind of a, a one-stop well-being resource platform uh, that students, faculty, and staff can access to. It's individualized, so based upon what you um, put in, and in terms of its questionnaire, it's going to. Uh, put forth information that's specifically tailored to your interests. Uh, at the end of March, uh, so we had a soft launch of you at, at KSU, uh, and at the end of March, uh, we're doing kind of our phase phase two mm -hmm. of that launch, and that'll be our KS State resources that will be uh, in, the, in the program, so excited about that. Um, we have, of course, a number of different uh, fantastic programs that our counseling services have been doing on an ongoing basis mm -hmm. throughout the pandemic. Yeah. Um, they're doing, you know, not only individual counseling, but they're offering some fantastic group sessions mm -hmm. and workshops that focus on mindfulness practices or take how to take better care of mm -hmm. yourself uh, during the pandemic, um, connecting with others. Yep. Um, so just seeing lots of great programs emanate 
Cat's Cupboard, for example, we yeah. talked about physical well-being. Uh, and if you don't have food mm -hmm. uh, if you, or you're experiencing food insecurity, that has an impact on your physical well-being. And it certainly permeates through other areas of your well-being. And so um, Cat's Cupboard's been doing some fantastic work throughout the pandemic and helping ensure that um, our students and faculty and staff with food insecurity needs, that those needs are being met. So again, each of those each of those are yeah. a thread in the yep. fabric of care, uh, and uh, I'm really excited about um, the initiatives going forward and um, and the continued um, the continued uh, conversation about how can we better meet the needs of our students. Dr. Dodonder, the director of uh, Cat's Cupboard, she is on our short list of podcasts. Uh, oh, she'll podcasts. be great. Yeah. She, we haven't told her that she's on the short list yet <laughs> so, uh, to be one of our guests. So, yeah. But that's the thing with Dr. Dodonder. She will she'll be great. She'll come down and she would do it in 20 minutes if we asked her yeah. to. Um, she is great. And then I like what you mentioned with the counseling um, mm -hmm. services that we have. Um, you mentioned the groups that they have available. Yeah. Um, that is a resource for students that um, we really, really want to push out and make yeah. everybody aware because they are, uh, if they're paying the privilege, I believe it's at no cost to, to the students. And then it's unlimited. Okay. You know, you can go to, you can go to group therapy mm -hmm. or you can go to group. I don't know if it's group therapy. I don't want to mm -hmm. put it in a, in a classification that's not, but it's a group that, that can meet and it's unlimited. Mm -hmm. And the counseling services staff, um, Dr. Lane, they are. They fantastic. I think they have. I'm, this may be the wrong. I think 16 on staff that have specialties. Um, each of them have specialties, but then, like we talked about, the holistic care. They are great at what they do. Mm -hmm. Just sitting down and talking to them. Um, they really, like I said, it's that passion and that compassion that shines through. And so it's important, I think, for every student to know that as part of their privilege fee, um, that they are, uh, have eight free sessions mm -hmm. per semester at Counseling Services. Um, and it, on average, most students will take about typically four or five mm -hmm. sessions uh, for counseling. It's a, a, a brief model of yep. therapy. Yep. Um, but if you need more extended care, uh, the Counseling Services area is able to uh, connect you with, with community resources. But those, um, those eight sessions, uh, I want to encourage students to remember that they have those. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you're you know, feeling uh, overwhelmed or stressed or anxious, that's a great resource to yep. be able to take advantage of. Yep. And I saw Abby mentioned, like I said, it, you know, if uh, you, you get into, like I said, it's, it's, it's kind of a short-term model mm -hmm. when it comes to the counseling. But if it's something that may be no, more long-term, the right. counseling services are there. They're going to help out. They're going to connect you with those community resources. They're not just going to leave you um, because it can be a confusing landscape to kind of navigate, yep. finding mental health, finding resources. Um, and they're always, they're there to help and they are fantastic. They got some really, really great people on staff. Um, so I think we're going to kind of move into, we covered a lot of well-being right there. I mean, we've got a lot of great things going on at K-State, a lot of really, really exciting initiatives, programs going on. And so now I think what we're going to kind of move into is I call them rapid fire questions. I, yeah. I don't know. Um, one of our, my coworkers, Sean Funk, she said we should call it pop quiz or something of that nature. So this might be a change, but Dr. Lane, this is a chance. And okay, I think, now my anxiety level. See, <laughs> and and, to, and to, to to turn that anxiety up a little bit, Reagan is going to be the one that's going to be asking okay. you. So, um, Reagan with the rapid fire. Exactly. Yeah. So Reagan with the rapid fire. So I'm going to let you go ahead and take over, Reagan. Okay, cool. I also wrote down a few additional questions. Oh, my gosh. So even more anxiety. <laughs> All right. Okay, so we'll start off with the first one. Favorite music besides Pearl Jam? Oh, well, Pearl Jam is not one of my favorite Okay, bands, okay. So, okay. I, but I appreciate them. Yeah, you're welcome. So my all-time favorite band and, and i'm going to get a, a glazed look from everyone in the room here i bet is is guided by voices i 
Bob Pollard. Yes. Yep. Oh my gosh. Yep. Guided by voices. Wow. You, uh, you I, I hate them hating her up, but now you don't <laughs> run into many people that know no, guided by don't. voices. Um, uh, they yeah. are fantastic. They are fantastic. Yep. So yeah. um, you have another fellow fan and guided by voices they, well, right we here. Could, we'll geek out about that. Uh, yeah. We could take up another podcast on, on that topic. We could do a probably a 40 part podcast just on the number of albums. Yeah. So, so guided by voices and, and Robert Pollard, who's their mm -hmm. uh, uh, kind of the, the lead uh, behind guided by voices, really the, the brain behind it um, has put over a hundred albums. So yeah, it's mm -hmm. pretty amazing. The uh, the group that I play in around town, I play a little music. Is we do a couple of guided by voiced covers. Really? So, yeah. So we've worked wow. them in. Um, so and can then, I ask what songs you do? Um, there was Bulldog Skin. <laughs> yeah. My Hunting Knife. Well, I know. My Valuable Hunting yep. Knife. Yep. And Great. so um, those are just a couple. <laughs> we are getting blank I know, looks I know. around us, Chris. I know that just shows again. <laughs> um, but anyway, I know some people when they listen to this podcast. That they're going to be really excited that but somebody. Here's the great thing about the world we live in right now, right? So when you hear about a band that you have no idea about, mm -hmm. which happens to me often, <laughs> um, you have Spotify or you have, mm -hmm. you know, you can go on the air, you can hear a little snippet of something. And so we, we live in a blessed time yep. where you can have that easy access to, to all the music that's out there. It's, yeah. You know, but Guided by Voice is my favorite. All right. All right. I guess I'll take that answer. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Then um, next is favorite restaurant national in Manhattan. Local. Favorite restaurant nationally is probably the Commander's Palace in New Orleans. That's probably where I've had the best meal of my life at. Uh, it was really, really great. Nice. Um, if you've never had turtle soup before. No. Which, yeah. So I hadn't either. Yeah. It was delicious. Can't say I had. It no. was delicious. <laughs> I'm just going to say, try it. If you ever get the chance, try it. Yeah. My favorite restaurant in Manhattan. That's a great question, Reagan. Um, I'm going to have to say uh, Taco Lucha yep. on that. Yeah. yeah. I, and I love the peanut butter taco. And mm. I didn't think I would. Hmm. Have but not it was, had that Yeah. One. So I, usually, if I'm there on a Tuesday, I'll for sure have the peanut butter taco. Typically, I'll have the black and blue. Um Oh, and it's not when the peanut butter taco is not, not being offered. But yeah, yeah. I like taco, which is quite a bit. I always get the Jap Raz, which uh, is, it has like raspberry sauce. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. Just and thinking I, about it, I'm like, oh, I want it right now. Well, I also <laughs> love the uh, the raspberry chipotle uh, bean dip. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's good stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's and it's getting nice out. They have that beautiful patio. Yeah. And so, yeah. yeah, it's exciting. Manhattan's really blessed, I think, with some mm -hmm. great restaurants. Oh, they really yeah. are. Yeah. It really uh, helped make, help help contributes to the specialness I think of, of what I think about when I think about Manhattan. Yeah, mm -hmm. for sure. Okay. Then next we have favorite movie. <sighs> <laughs> so my favorite movie, and I actually have a movie poster of this movie in, uh, in my house on, okay. a, on a wall. It's a movie that you probably will never have heard of. <laughs> Uh, and the, the, the reason why it's my favorite movie is just so bizarre mm -hmm. and it has so many musicians that I like in it. Uh, and the movie is called Tommy. And it is a filmed version of the Who's rock opera called Tommy. So have you ever heard the song Pinball Wizard? No. No. Yeah, yep. Again, my heart breaking right now. Uh, <laughs> I think I might be structuring in our next Thrive Navigator group meeting I, around I think we need, classic yeah, some, music. Some rock and roll 101 yeah, yep. to, to happen. So anyway, but in the, they have, have you heard of Tina Turner? No. Okay. <laughs> How about, I bet, I bet you've heard of this next person. Elton John? Yes. Okay, okay, so Elton John is in the movie. Uh, <laughs> Tina Turner's in the movie. Eric Clapton is in the movie. I know who that uh, is. The Who, of course, and it's all Who, who, who music. Okay. Um, and then, of course, my favorite actor 
is uh, an actor by the name of Jack Nicholson, and mm-hmm. he is also in the movie, and he actually sings in it, and he has the most horrible singing voice that you could ever imagine, and, mm-hmm. but it makes the movie, because it's just such a weird, bizarre movie, um, but that's my favorite one. Um, hobbies that you have. I would love to share with you that running is a hobby of mine, and I have ran uh, Mm -hmm. marathons, uh, but now it's feeling like a previous life. Yeah. Uh, And so I'm trying to get back into running slowly but surely. I would say that's probably when I think about hobbies that help me kind of Mm -hmm. de-stress. Running is one of them, but uh, I certainly have not been as active as I should be. <laughs> and and my waistline is starting mm-hmm. to reflect that. So that's getting a motivating factor to to get the running shoes back on and 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 get a little bit more motivated. Well there's great places to run around Manhattan. Yeah. I see people running all the time. Yeah. I'm not a runner myself, yeah. but just not into that whole yeah. thing. But yeah, that's this is a great exercise in perspective. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody's hobby is more like my chore or chore. Yeah, for real. <laughs> um, so uh, and then listening to music yeah. is another hobby. I, mm-hmm. I love, uh, as you can probably tell, I yeah. love music. And yeah. so I, I uh, you know, you can find me at Sisters of Sound mm-hmm. in, oh. uh, on Saturdays, kind of thumbing through the LPs. And, <laughs> that was my next question. Interrupt yet again, because now music, I'm just my ear, um, if your v- vinyl collection, if you have I a vinyl do. collection, I do have a vinyl, I have a collection, vinyl yeah. collection as well. So, um, Again, another podcast for another time. And yeah. here's what frustrates me about the vinyl collection is I probably have bought these albums now mm-hmm. twice or three times because you know, when I was in college, I had a big uh, record collection, but then CDs came out with, mm-hmm. well, I'm not going to need these these uh, albums anymore. And so I sold them. I could kick myself for doing that. <laughs> so now I've just bought them all over again. Yeah. 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 I just re- I inherited my father's uh, oh, wow. uh, album collection, who was a big... Um, uh, like country fan, uh-huh. and so all Loretta Lynn, oh, wow. all the Johnny Cash, so things some of that Glenn nature. Campbell and yep. uh, Waylon Jennings. Yep, in there. We got, and but I, I, I think about Dad, and I think you know, I don't know what he did, but when he finished an album, I don't know if he just threw it across the corner because they are all really scratched up. up. But my mom finally put some light on that and said that um, when when her and my dad were were dating, when when they were engaged, they would go to dances. Um, wherever, whatever town they lived in, they lived, they lived in a couple places, but dad would tote all of his vinyl records with him <laughs> to give to the DJ. And I said, How did, cool did, is that? did they like that? And mom said, oh, they loved it because, you know, he would bring. So anyway, that's uh, funny. Yep. These aren't too rapid fire. I, we've been, we've been sidetracking <laughs> no, you, Reagan. Yeah. This. yeah. Well, my dad didn't collect records, but he collected coins, but oh. I'm not even getting that. My sister is, so <laughs> <Nice>. it's fine. <laughs> But next question is favorite book or favorite book series? And there is a correct answer to this. So think very hard. <laughs> well, my my favorite uh, book series is probably a series called Tales of the City. It's by... Incorrect. Ar- <laughs> so let me say, is it Harry Potter? Yes. Is that the correct one? Yeah. I do like the Harry Potter okay. series and have read them. Awesome. Uh, and have seen all the movies. Yes. Yep. In fact, that was kind of a, a, a holiday uh, ritual with my mom and I when mm-hmm. I would come back home because uh, they would show the Harry Potter movies. Yeah, that's what time. my mom and I did yeah. too. Yeah. That's so funny. It was, it was great. <laughs> And then, then it became the Lord of the Rings, I think, uh-huh. was when we moved to after Harry Potter had concluded. But yeah, yeah but no, Tales from the City uh, from Armistead Maupin is probably my favorite book series. And it, it looks at, it's a, a group of characters that are living in uh, San Francisco mm-hmm. uh, at, starts out in the 70s and kind of moves through up until today. So, cool. yeah. Um, playing off of the Harry Potter world, yeah. do you know your Hogwarts house? Uh, I would love to say that, um, what is, oh gosh. 
And here's the horrible thing. Like I know the bad one. Slytherin. Slytherin. Yeah. 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 And then there's Hufflepuff. Uh-huh. And then Ravenclaw. there is Ravenclaw. But what's the one that Harry's... Uh, Gryffindor. Gryffindor, yeah. I would love to say that I would be sorted by the sorting hat. I'm not getting those vibes now that you didn't even know the name of it. <laughs> See, these are rapid fire now. Yeah. Fail, yeah, exactly. right? Yeah. Fail. Uh, I'm a Gryffindor, so See, that, that kind of hurts would, my feelings. But I would you. love to be sorted yeah. into Gryffindor, but I suspect that that probably is not going to happen. I can. I get Hufflepuff vibes, yeah. sorry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what, is the, what is the characteristic of, of Hufflepuff? Like, what's the, the I'm very salient? cheery. Uh, okay. They're also, like, really close to Slytherin, so, really? like, that's oh, kind of weird, That too. makes me a little nervous. Yeah. I think it's because they kind of had, like, a little angsty side, but, like, they're okay. too nice to be, like, a Slytherin, like, mean. So an angsty, nice person. <laughs> yeah. That's actually doesn't sound too far yeah. off for yeah. me. <laughs> the guided by voices, you know, yeah. angsty, nice. Yeah, people, I know. think that actually yeah. you could be hitting a hitting a nerve there. I'm pretty good pretty, at yeah. figuring out people's. Houses. You are you are actually a sorting hat. Yeah, it's kind of a special talent. Of mine. <laughs> uh, next question is your biggest pet peeve. Liners. I mm-hmm. agree. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 it just yeah. Yeah. I'll leave it at that. Nope. One of my, okay, I have four questions that I wrote myself. Um, so since you have been here a year, I guess I won't give you too hard of a time. Okay. Um, but did you get to like observe any football games or go into? Oh, yeah. Okay, great. Oh, yeah. Those were, in fact, I had a chance to bring uh, my dad to a football game. Oh, cool. Uh, and um, we just, he had a great time. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. I, I In fact, I even uh, this past fall mm-hmm. uh, attended football games. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a great experience. Mm-hmm. So what was your favorite game that you went to and who's your favorite player? My favorite game that I went to was when we beat Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was actually uh, had a flight leaving that day. And I had to literally just drive like a mad person <laughs> to the airport because I stayed far longer than what I thought yeah. I was going to be during that game. Mm-hmm. And that was when an, I realized another blessing of living in Manhattan is that it didn't take me too long yeah. to get yep. through the security line at the airport. <laughs> yeah. uh, and so um, uh, I think that's um, uh, that's another blessing that we yeah. have of living in Manhattan. But that was that was I would say that was probably my, mm-hmm. my favorite my uh, favorite team. Uh, Knowles, I would say, is probably one of my favorite players. Okay. Yeah. Malik. Yeah. Yeah. Malik. Yeah. yeah. Good answer. Yeah. Um, what's your favorite building? But on I think campus? they all do great. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Oh yeah, they're all that. great. They're all great Wildcats. Amazing. And they all bring a lot of pride to our school. Yeah. We've got a couple athletes that are in the Navigators, mm-hmm. and the work ethic that they have. I mean, um, and the dedication. Mm-hmm. It's inspiring. Yeah. 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 Um. So, what's one of your fit or what's your favorite building on campus? That's a great question. I love, I love Anderson Hall. I love the look of it. Um, and it, I think when people think about um, K State, that's mm-hmm. oftentimes the image that kind of that arch- archetypical image that's that's yeah. in their head. Um, I love the union mm-hmm. because I worked in the union for so many years and yeah. was a director of a union, and I know the. Um, all of the possibilities of building community that occurs within mm-hmm. a student union and where all aspects of campus from faculty, staff, and students come together and community uh, members come together. Um, so I'd say probably the union yeah. is my favorite spot. The only time I've ever been into Anderson is to get my veteran affairs money. Ah, so, okay. uh, yeah. <laughs> haven't really ventured over there too much. Yeah. Um, my so. office is located in Anderson. Oh, okay. 122 cool. Anderson Hall. Yeah. Awesome. My door is always open. 
Um, so I see you have Verdina's. I do. Um, but what's, is that your favorite coffee place? Yeah, I actually, that's, that's my favorite. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. In fact, I didn't even go to the union's Verdina's this morning. I went to the one with the drive through. Oh, okay. Yeah. On and I have one. a big truck and it's really difficult to make it through that drive through. <laughs> Every time I go there, I think I'm going to destroy something. <laughs> so it's, you, that tells you how much I like, I'm willing to risk it yep. to get that cup yeah. of coffee. And then the last question I had was, um, where has your favorite place you've traveled to been? Italy. Oh, cool. Yep. Italy has been my favorite place, uh, with Ireland being a close second behind Ooh. it. Um, but I loved Italy and I would go back in a heartbeat. In fact, there's a, a show right now on mm -hmm. CNN, Stanley Tucci's uh, Italy, and he's going to different parts of, of Italy and, and looking at the food and the culture mm -hmm. and the history. Yeah. Uh, and so I've been reliving my uh, Italy <laughs> trip um, through uh, through his eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for answering the question. That was great. Yeah. That wasn't too bad. <laughs> no. no. Um, I think we'll kind of said we got we have two 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 last things and okay. then we'll wrap up. So I have a final question for you, Dr. Lane. And let's say you're in front of a group of people. What would you say to them to convince them to come and study and be part of the Kansas State University community? This is a community that asks of you. Mm -hmm. And so it asks for you to be an active community and it asks you to, to care about other wildcats. And if that's a place that resonates with you, you'll thrive here. Uh, if, that, if that kind of... Um, expectation mm -hmm. that we have of each other, that we're going to take care of each other. Um, if that connects with you, then you'll thrive here. That's what I would say. I don't have any announcement again, goosebumps again. I mean, that was a, that was a great, uh, a great answer to our final question. Mm -hmm. So the last thing I want to do with you, Dr. Lane is you have an open mic right now, and I'm going to call it Dr. Lane's final word. Okay. Um, wrapping up after everything we've covered from well-being and, and, and you know, what makes K-State a special place, uh, we're going to give you a chance to give the final word sure. to the podcast. Wow. Or pressure's, this episode. Pressure's on. Yeah. <laughs> Words of wisdom. I think, that, um, I think that we're in a really, really um, unique time. We're in a unique time to really think about and make meaning of what we've experienced over this past year. And I think that's a role that we have, all of us in higher education, uh, as a community, as a K-State community, to really reflect upon um, what have we learned? What have we learned about ourselves? What have we learned about each other? Uh, and what lessons are we going to take forward so that we don't lose the, the insights that we've gained about ourselves, about well-being, about um, what it means to be a Wildcat? Um, how do we carry those lessons forward? And that takes reflection and that takes conversation. And so I would, I would say that conversations like the ones we've just had over these, you know, last, uh, this last hour is an example of that, of really connecting with each other and, and finding those opportunities. That's the challenge I have mm -hmm. for, for folks is find those opportunities where you can engage in dialogue with one another and really think back and make meaning of what we've experienced because we've gone through just a tremendous, mm -hmm. tremendous time. It's been traumatic in many cases, but there's also been uh, such tremendous examples of resiliency, of hope, of care. And, um, and I think that's, that's important for us to really, really reflect on that and think about how does that inform our lives going forward? Couldn't have said it better myself. So this is the last 
call for questions or last call, anything to pepper Dr. Lane with. <laughs> I know. Um, we really want to appreciate. I'm not sure what else there could be. I know. I know we did cover a lot. Um, but I do want to say thank you for taking time out to come and talk to us. To oh be my a, gosh. Thank you. Our initial podcast guest uh, at Thrive at K-State. Um, we're excited to see where this goes. We have a great list of people mm-hmm. we're going to have come on just to spread resources and things we have at K-State for students. I'm really, really excited about it. Well, I want to thank you. Uh, Thank you all for the work that you're doing in this space. Uh, As you know, this is a passion area of mine, Um, but you're really, (laughs) the work that you're doing in Thrive Navigators is so important. As we think about, again, that fabric of care, um, you're you're a really important thread in that fabric. I think we might have just found the title for this podcast episode, Fabric of Care. I really (laughs) like that. Um, But anyway, thank you so much, Dr. Lane. I appreciate it. Um, And we look forward to continuing the conversation. Great. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much. Mm